0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Netflix and Swill Podcast. Dan, are, are you ready to be funny?
1: Aye, aye, Captain.
0: Are you in the mood for levity and, you know, all your all your good vibes and pretty happy with the way things are going right now? Uh, I guess. In, in the headspace for comedy? Can't imagine why we wouldn't be.
1: Because... I, I don't know. Maybe the uh, the attempted coup from uh, right-wing nutjobs?
0: Oh, you mean the terrorist attack? Yeah. Shit. So that's the energy that that we're at right now as we record this, so. <laughs> Sorry if I'm not funny.
1: Uh, I'm in decent enough spirits.
0: Yeah. I've been just kind of living it for the last few days.
1: Oh, well, that's where you are. I don't go outside, and the area I'm in is relatively liberal. It's like Carborough, so that's like, uh, I don't know, Hipsterville, which typically leans towards the left.
0: I don't know. I I haven't heard anybody say out loud with their human mouth that, you know, this was a good thing that happened, but um, I've been waiting for it.
1: I'm not gonna say it's a good thing. It's just these guys all showed their whole ass and then you know, it just it just goes to show they're in the wrong. I don't care what they I don't care what their message is. They're just wrong. And they complain about, you know, black lives matter and looting and rioting and destroying pro- destruction of property and then they go and do the same thing. These are the same people who were making the same complaints earlier this yeah. year about all that. So, uh it's it's not that, you know, they're better or more or morally superior to anybody, it's they're the same. Uh except in a completely different extreme. Although not quite confirmed who did all the rioting and the looting in the Black Lives Matter protests, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that. It was probably Antifa. Uh <laughs> Jesus. I mean, did you see how many Antifa sleeper cell agents we had at at the Capitol on Wednesday? Yeah.
0: Well, I love uh A couple things about that. Antifa isn't an organization. Like, Antifa doesn't actually exist. Like, there's no... There's no, like, hive mind behind Antifa. Like, there are just... It just means anti-fascist. There are people who label themselves, I guess, as anti-fascist activists. I don't even know if that's really real. I thought it was just, like, a hashtag or something that people were like oh it's now there's an antifa terrorist organization and i was like there never was an organization called antifa there's an organization called the proud boys they're terrorists
1: they're definitely terrorists wild times we live in who would have thought that this would be something that you know we would look on and be like wow i can't believe we did that
0: yeah uh me, because this is what I've been telling everybody was going to happen for like four years, and everybody called me an idiot. This was always the
1: plan. Uh, otherwise, how are you, friend? I'm
0: doing fine. Just uh,
1: just
0: working, playing video games.
1: It's
0: the usual stuff.
1: Yeah, sounds about right.
0: I uh, I started playing XCOM two again because I decided to see if I can get the platinum trophy for it.
1: And uh, how that, how's that going?
0: Uh, Not bad. I'm pretty pretty deep in a new playthrough and got a few new trophies, so I'll uh keep at it. Cool. What about you? What are you up to?
1: End of the year prep. I basically absorb myself into movies and some television for the end of the year for this show. And then uh, I have my episode with Gerald that I'm recording later this week. About the best of twenty twenty uh in terms of movies, so I have to mm-hmm. finish that too, and' I'm just gonna be very busy
0: yeah i um I feel like you come at the the swillies a lot more um scholarly than I do like i I typically don't rewatch a whole lot of stuff, kind of the same as when we review stuff initially, I just kind of shoot from the hip and Uh, If it made an impression, I'll remember it and talk about it. And if it didn't, it probably wasn't worth mentioning.
1: That's fair. Meanwhile, I I rewatched three movies from earlier this year. And I was like, ah! yeah, These are basically my original thoughts on them. Just a little expanded. There you go. But I wanted to familiarize myself with them. so.
0: Well, uh, we'll get to that. But first, I gotta know, what's your swill?
1: Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. Stay away from the cans. All right. Well, I was at the beer store, and by the beer store, I mean I was at the supermarket, uh, and I noticed a Belgian golden ale called Duvel. It is very special. It's a very giant bottle. It is a Belgian golden ale, like I said, and it's pretty good. I've been letting it breathe for about five minutes, and. My god, the flavor notes. It tastes it's good. What do you have? Uh, Well,
0: the world's burning down around me, so I'm drinking Old Crow and Pepsi. You'll never convince me that it's not exactly the same as Jack and Coke.
1: I believe it. What is going on? There's some weird shit going on on the internet. Uh, uh Speaking of th- weird shit going on on the internet, hey, $5 patrons, uh, head over to our Patreon right now and uh, get us your first quarter patron-requested reviews, because we need them. Only one person has done it so far. The rest of you are slacking.
0: <laughs> also, if you would like to be a patron of the show, you can give us $5 and choose a movie for us to watch every quarter, and we'll watch and review it. That's true. You can give us your favorite movie. You can give us your least favorite movie. You can give us a movie you've never seen, but you think it sounds awful.
1: Or good. You, you know, you can give us movies that sound good, too. Everybody from the last quarter. Yeah, Nick. that oh, Dude, fourth quarter. Fucking,
0: fucking home is where the killer is. F-
1: dude, fucking fourth quarter of last year, in terms of patron reviews, was so rough. It was, I, I think the best <laughs> one we had was like a two and a half. And it was Zodiac.
0: Yeah. Which I ended up not even being on for that one, so I didn't I didn't even watch it with you.
1: It's, it's okay. It happens. You're like, hey, I've died. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll get Nick to suffer along with me.
0: As you do. Uh, all right, let's move over into some news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. I have one news story, and it is that the... Release date for Stranger Things Season 4 was potentially revealed in a non-official leak. Uh, Supposedly, it will be coming out uh, August 21st of this year. It's happy birthday, Dan.
1: Oh, thanks. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you, Stranger Things. Yeah, I looked at it. it, uh, Basically, it looked like someone's client glitched or something like that.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Because I dug into the article you posted. It's basically show there's like a screen capture from somebody's yeah. Uh the Netflix updates account recently shared leaked news, according to this so it's like a screenshot of somebody's Netflix uh client where under the under the first episode, which is titled The Hellfire Club, uh noted X Men villains, uh that episode is releasing on August twenty first. So who knows? I didn't even know they were they were still shooting or they had by this point, finish shooting. Oh, fuck. Do you remember when we talked about the Hopper thing? That was like early last year. Oh my god. That feels like so long ago, too. 2020 was the longest (laughs) year in human history.
0: Yeah, do you remember... uh, Do you remember 400 years ago when it was like March or May or whatever and Tiger King came out?
1: (sighs) I know. It. I had to, like, go through all of our show show notes and be like, all right, what all did I watch this year? Just be like, oh, okay, yeah, all that stuff. I like some of the stuff. I hate, oh, I hate that thing. That was awful. I never wanted to go through my show notes again in order to remember things that I watched. I would rather, you know, just remember that I watched them.
0: Yeah, um, I don't know. 2020, much like grinding out shit to watch for this show in the first place uh is a never-ending purgatory so uh it is currently december 41st 2020
1: pretty much there's a meme going around that's like 2021 is just 2020 with bangs and then people are posting (laughs) terrible bangs photos
0: the one that really fucked me up was uh paul mentioned it on the countdown but it was uh 2020, and it was Joffrey Baratheon, and then 2021 was, uh, Ramsay Bolton. People who have seen Game of Thrones know what I'm talking about.
1: People don't like that show because it ended badly.
0: Eh, the ending, the ending was perfectly fine. Wayne was right, and he's very smart.
1: Uh, I, I say, holy fuck, it's been over a year, get over it already. Yeah.
0: It's not like George Art, Art Martin was gonna end it.
1: Uh, He's too busy uh, writing the Silmarillion, how how do you say that? The the thing you're going to make Gerald (laughs) watch? Silmarillion? Yeah, the thing you're going to make Gerald read, uh, excuse me, before you start your Patreon series with him.
0: Yeah, I I just, I can't in good conscience uh, have him watch the Lord of the Rings movies for the first time without knowing what the Palantir are and uh, what all characters have them
1: the palantir the uh the the rings of power
0: no the palantir are the seeing stones
1: all right well I guess I need to read this thing
0: (laughs) no they have them in the movie Saruman has one uh that's Sauron has one that's how like um Saruman gets corrupted and then fucking Pippin tries to use one while they're in Rohan and
1: oh I remember that yeah
0: yeah yeah, so they they come up in the movies.
1: Yeah, and he gets all fucked up, and that's when Gandalf takes him somewhere. I don't want to say more than that, because, Gerald, you need to watch all three hours of uh, The Two Towers.
0: Fucking Two Towers is great.
1: Hel- the Battle of Helm's Deep is an hour long, and I love every second of it.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Um, right, I'm done fangirling about that. Stranger Things will be good, I hope. I think.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I really liked how Season 3 left, and we'll, we'll find out what happens there.
0: Alright, uh, let's do Downstream, where we talk about movie trailers. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Uh, the first trailer is for a series called Surviving Death, uh, which is something that I've done every day of my life. Why can't, for, why can't it just be... For 34 years.
1: Why can't it just be Surviving Edged Weapons, a series?
0: <laughs> god why can't they add surviving edged weapons to netflix so that we can watch it for this show
1: so i still need to see it and i need to see if it's on it is still on youtube perfect i have it in my watch later uh on yeah. youtube and, um, and i can't wait
0: what does it mean to die and is death the end of our existence yes Uh, Weaving together innovative new research, a citation needed, with first-hand accounts from those who've been close to and even experienced death. Uh, That's nonsense. Nobody's ever experienced death, because death is the end of experience. Uh, This series takes viewers on an extraordinary journey into a world beyond human existence as we know it. Uh, This is about people who have near-death experiences. Which is just your brain freaking out. It's not God. You're not special. It's just fucking DMT and like synapses firing in your brain because you don't have any
1: oxygen in your brain. So, Caleb, if you will remember, back to a simpler time of 2017, we reviewed a movie called The Discovery, which was exactly what this, this, oh, this that miniseries is. Oh, fucking piece of shit. No, that movie's great. Well, not great. That movie's good. The movie's really good. It's got Robert Redford, Jason Siegel, Rudy Mara, Fat Damon. I should watch that again. I like that movie a lot. Yeah. It's not great.
0: Yeah, it's not great. It just I don't know. It was uh
1: It's interesting.
0: Eh, yeah, it is what it is.
1: But yeah, this this immediately brought that up, and I'm like, ah, all these kooky people watched that movie and were like, oh man! I gotta talk about that time that I almost died.
0: Okay, now I'm mad, because if you search for Surviving Edged Weapons on YouTube, uh, the second one is the actual movie, mm-hmm. and then the third one is the Wheel of the Worst episode where they talk about it. Correct. But the first one is fucking JonTron, the fucking, fucking bigot, incel piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that makes me mad.
1: Well, unfortunately, Tron is popular.
0: <sighs> Why? He's a fucking incel bigot, white supremacist piece of shit.
1: And as we saw, Caleb, those people like yeah. to to ruin things for everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he's very well loved by his target demographic, seven year olds. The next trailer is for Bling Empire. Wait, is that a penis pump? bling empire follows a wildly wealthy group of asian and asian american friends and frenemies in los angeles while their days and nights are filled with fabulous parties and expensive shopping sprees don't let the glitz and glamour fool you between running multi-billion dollar businesses and traveling the world these friends are as good at keeping secrets as they are at spilling them so they keep 50 percent of their secrets uh and there is certainly no shortage of secrets So this is uh, Real Housewives Mm -hmm. x Crazy Rich Asians.
1: Yep. I can't wait to make Ashley watch it and give us a quick rundown.
0: I can't wait to excuse myself to the other room. Look, she needs
1: someone to bounce off of, and you're on the (laughs) other end of the microphone.
0: But you're right there.
1: No. (laughs) <laughs> also, also ultimately, I pro if she likes it, I probably will end up watching it with her, so it might happen. Uh I was wondering what this was. I saw the trailer in my like, Oh, it's just Real Housewives. Okay.
0: I have a problem with the name.
1: Oh, Bling Empire. Yeah, it's not it's not good.
0: It's a it's very bad name. Shouldn't
1: it just be like The Bling Dynasty?
0: Ooh, Bling Dynasty is very good. Uh, the next trailer is for Malcolm and Marie. When filmmaker Malcolm and his girlfriend Marie uh, return home from a movie premiere and await the film's critical response, the evening takes a turn as revelations about their relationship surface, testing the couple's love. Uh, this is directed and written by Sam Levinston and stars John David Washington and Zendaya.
1: The notable thing about this is that this was filmed in, during the pandemic. Uh and that's why it's basically all one location, is because you could get a very small film crew, have the director, director of cinematography, a couple camera guys, sound guys, uh, and the two actors on screen at all times and uh, you know, not risk shit.
0: Yeah, and uh it's all shot in black and white. Um looks like it's gonna be, you know, a, a powerhouse acting performance movie. Um and it looks pretty good from the trailer.
1: Yeah. It actually made me want to watch the whole trailer.
0: Yeah, uh, I stopped it at a minute and a half because the whole trailer is nearly three minutes, and that's absurd. That
1: is absurd. I don't, I don't get it. That was the one nice thing about Surviving Death was that the trailer was a minute and a half. the The, the, the not so nice thing is that it's Surviving Death and not Surviving Edge Weapons. <laughs> but yeah, uh, obviously this will be a main topic because this was a. I actually think this is currently in consideration for Oscars. I don't know who all has seen it in terms of 2020 movies, but uh, this comes out in February. So uh, we're all going to have to wait and suffer. Although I now have an open line communication with Netflix about certain stuff, so I will obviously be requesting this for screener access. Yee. Yee. Uh, I'm flossing in my chair.
0: Hooray. Uh, Next is Penguin Bloom, starring Naomi Watts.
1: And Andrew Uh,
0: Lincoln! Sure, why not? (laughs) Uh, Based on the incredible true story, Penguin Bloom follows Sam Bloom, a young mother whose world is turned upside down after a near-fatal accident leaves her unable to walk. As she learns to adapt to her new life, she finds hope in an unlikely hero, a small bird named Penguin, played by Andrew Lincoln. Please laugh at my joke.
1: <laughs> oh, I hate you. That's that's pretty good.
0: <laughs> the trailer is very heavy-handed. It's like, oh, it it must be hard to be a bird and not know how to not be able to fly. And there Naomi Watts is in a wheelchair with legs, but unable to walk. Do you get the metaphor?
1: No, Uh, but in reality, what I get is that this is supposed to be like, Apparently a feel-good Oscar Beatty type movie that they're releasing, I believe, in March? Which does
0: January twenty-seventh.
1: Oh oh fuck, really? Yep. Okay. It said coming soon. I didn't know that they were releasing it that soon. Uh then this has no Oscar prospects whatsoever, and Netflix realized that they fucked up and gave this mon- this <laughs> this movie too much money.
0: Yeah, it was probably one of those things they uh they invested in it, and then it didn't test well, and they were like, "Oh fuck it, uh, let's just release it," mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as you do. Yeah, as you do. I, mean- I guess. I guess that's the nice thing about Netflix's platform is that, like, even when that does happen, like it, they don't have to take a complete fucking bath on it. Because yeah. like big movie studios would just make. Whole movies, and, like, if they didn't test well, they would just never release them. And that's how we got Spectral on Netflix. Because that was, what, a Warner Brothers movie?
1: What? Penguin Bloom?
0: No, uh, Spectral. Oh,
1: Spectacle, Spectral was Legendary Pictures, who I think has a...
0: Legendary, yeah.
1: A deal with Netflix, but I can't... Or, not Netflix, with Warner Brothers. Because, like, uh, they were the ones who were suing Warner Brothers over... Or not suing... But they had a, a a complaint with Warner Brothers over like Godzilla versus King Kong. Oh uh, yeah. So I, I think there's a relationship between those two. I don't I don't know what it is, but yeah, that was uh Legendary Pictures.
0: And then our last trailer this week is going to be for finding Ohana.
1: Ohana, Ohana, means, Ohana means family. Means
0: family. <laughs> family means no one gets left behind or forgotten.
1: I had a stitch talk. Ohana. Oh, he's just very throaty. Okay, I was going to do a Stitch impression, but then I forgot how he spoke, because it's been a long time since I watched Lilo and Stitch.
0: (laughs) A summer in rural Oahu takes an exciting turn for two Brooklyn-raised siblings when a journal pointing to a long-lost treasure sets them on an epic adventure with new friends and leads them to reconnect with their Hawaiian heritage. Home is where Ohana is. Um... This is Hawaiian Goonies.
1: That is correct. It's this is my Stitch impression after hearing it for two seconds. <laughs> Hi.
0: I can't really do it.
1: It's actually kind of um, it's actually kind of nuts that I after two seconds I'm like oh yeah that's how he talks okay I'll talk like that now.
0: Yeah, Should be a voice actor. I'm
1: very talented. Everybody worship me as a, as though I were a god. You
0: could be a more successful actor than the guy who wore bullhorns and raided the Capitol, who was a failed actor who lived in his mother's basement. Wait,
1: really? I didn't know that about him. What a fucking loser. That is
0: 100% true. Yeah, uh, turns out, you know, terrorist organizations typically uh, target people who are lifelong losers and convince them that they can be part of something important.
1: But uh, I, I realized that Stitch and, and Meatwad are basically the same character, So that, that was the, the true thing that you can get by on. Right. Kind oh, of I just thought kind of like this. And I lost it there at the end. But, uh, you know. If you can do a Meatwad voice, you can do a Stitch voice, everybody. And if you don't know who Meatwad is, good God help you. <laughs> uh, yeah, this looks like uh, Hawaiian Goonies. And I can't wait to make Nick watch it somehow. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I will. It'll happen.
0: I'll just be sick the week this comes out.
1: I think this comes out in February, I think.
0: Wrong again, January 29th.
1: You can't be sick that day. You had a really good idea for what we were going to do that, that week.
0: Yeah, I know. <sighs> All right. Um, That's the whole downstream segment. So why don't we do quick hits? <laughs> Daniel, what have you watched this week?
1: All right. So I caught up on a lot of stuff that I, you know, wanted to catch back up on and like rewatching wise. So I'm not going to talk about them here. I'm going to talk about them later. But I did watch A Son. Uh, this is the movie that everybody who's like an independent film critic is like, hey, I can't believe no one's talking about this movie. Uh, so I watched it. It is Taiwan's apparent Oscar contender for Best Foreign Language Film. And, uh, (sighs) I'm going to sound like Gerald here. It's two and a half hours, and that's a problem, because I feel like at about an hour 40, it hits a good spot for it to end, but then it does a flash forward and keeps going for another, what, 50-ish minutes? Which, like, whenever it's like, oh, okay, this is a good wrap-up spot. Fade to black. Five years later. the kind of, like, removes a lot of dramatics for me. So, like, so I think that was part of the problem. Uh, as for what A-Sun is about, uh, it's uh, S-U-N, by the way, as in, like, the thing in the sky that's a star, that's our closest star, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it is about a family who, uh, they're... Son is, uh, mixed up in a, uh, little issue where, uh, uh, apparently a kid was bullying him, so, uh, his friend cuts off his hand, wh- and, you know, they make their getaway together. So he goes, goes to spend, like, three years in juvenile detention, uh, for this, for his part in it, uh, and after that, uh, shit starts befalling the family. Uh, I won't get into it here. I think you should watch it, I think it's good, but, uh, I would have looked upon it more favorably had it ended when it should have or when I feel it should have because, like, it made sense to end there uh, because that's what it felt like the whole movie was building towards. Uh, instead, it tacks on an additional 50 minutes, which still gets you to what should have been the end in terms of how two co- two characters see each other. But it feels more hollow because they're not sharing the screen when you realize it at that time. I'm trying to keep it spoiler-free, but uh, that, that's about as good as I can do without without spoiling the fuck out of this. So, uh, I, get, I give it a three and a half. But everyone check it out. It will likely be in the conversation for Best Foreign Language Motion Picture at the Oscars. So, Caleb, what did you, uh, that's all the new stuff that I watched this week. What did you watch? Well, um, we're getting ready
0: to talk about Cobra Kai Season 3 next week, and I didn't want to miss any potential references that they ever made in the show uh, to a movie that I hadn't seen, so I watched The Next Karate Kid, starring Pat Morita and Hilary Swank, uh, and also Michael Ironside. Mr. Miyagi is back, and he takes on a new pupil, a troubled adolescent girl. This is a 4.5 out of 10 on IMDb, and I agree, this movie's like a 2.
1: So wait, you're telling me that Oscar award-winning Hillary Swank is not good enough to carry this movie?
0: <laughs> well, she was very young. Um, So this is rated right PG. Uh, it kind of tries to, I guess, do like the first Karate Kid movie formula a bit. Like there's... Like, she's in high school, and, like, Mr. Miyagi just becomes present in her life after some events, mm-hmm. and uh, there's, there's like, a bully faction, so...
1: I didn't realize she was... J- she played Joey Pogo in BoJack Horseman. Huh. I didn't know that either. Huh. huh. Good for um, you. So, anyway... The this
0: movie takes place in Boston.
1: Why are Matt Damon and Ben Affleck in it?
0: Uh I don't know. <laughs> so Mr. Miyagi is in Boston because uh his military unit from when he was in in the war fighting the Kaiser, um, <laughs> is receiving a unit citation. Uh so he is there to accept it and um the wife of one of his army friends is there to accept it. It's like they're they're both there together to be honored and Mr. Miyagi's wearing his medal of Honor, which they brought up in the other movies so like and the they show refer back to it yep so after like this ceremony, Mr. Miyagi uh goes back to this woman's house to like have dinner. And then Hillary Swank comes in and she's all mad at the world and starts a fight with her grandma uh, because her parents are dead because she's the Batman. Um, (laughs) And Mr. Miyagi immediately suggests, hey, why don't you uh, go stay at my house in California for a while and I'll stay here and uh, try to help your granddaughter like he just immediately suggests that which is a bit weird um, mm-hmm. but they have to have a plot to the movie i guess um so that happens uh hillary swank is understandably uncomfortable with that arrangement um eventually like hillary swank tries to run away and then like a car almost hits her and she does like a fucking backflip and like lands on the hood of this car and Mr. Miyagi's like, "Hey, where the hell did you learn how to do that?"
1: She's beginning to believe.
0: <laughs> well, it turns out that when she was young, her dad um taught her some karate because his dad taught him karate because Mr. Miyagi taught his army buddy karate, while they were in the war, so uh, she is like Mr. Miyagi's karate great granddaughter okay um so he begins training so like the the antagonist is Michael Ironsides, who's playing exactly his character from fucking starship troopers.
1: Uh I was hoping you were gonna say total recall so I could say, See you at the party Richter.
0: <laughs> so he's in charge of like the ROTC program, or it's ROTC adjacent, I guess. Mm-hmm. They call them the Alpha Elites. And basically it's like bully hall monitors who like beat up kids for cutting class, but also like the school is in favor of it. Uh, and they show up and harass Hillary Swank constantly and make basically rape threats against her.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Cool.
0: Yeah. Real cool. Cool. No doubt. Um, it's, it's just great that they, uh, have this movie where, uh, a young female protagonist, um, has to learn how to defend herself from rapists but, uh, yeah, basically, at the end of the movie, she beats the fuck out of the kid, and like the rest of them are like hey we're we're pieces of shit. we're not gonna deal with Michael Ironside anymore, so then Michael Ironside tries to fight Mr. Miyagi, and then Mr. Miyagi beats the fuck out of him uh and there you don't have to watch this movie now <laughs> and and it's about that bare bones like there's not. There's not, like, the little character moments that are endearing, like, in the first Karate Kid. Like, the movie doesn't try too hard to make you like Hilary Swank.
1: Don't worry, she does a very good job of making you not like Hillary Swank. In general. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's true. There is one part that, like, Mr. Miyagi takes her to see some old friends of his that live at a monastery. And, like, I thought it was weird that Miyagi was friends with a bunch of monks that live in a monastery in Boston when he himself lives in Southern California's sunny San Fernando Valley. Huh. So it's, like, I I guess just this movie's saying that all Asians know each other or something. <sighs> the monks are cool, though. They're probably, like, the best part of the movie because that's where you get all your comic relief from. So I don't know. Uh this movie was a giant piece of shit. I love it. Okay. <laughs> um, I also watched Death to 2020 at your recommendation. Good. And I agree. It's it's really funny. It's not what I was expecting. Uh it's actually got a lot of wit behind it. Like they'll just they're just saying, like, this really wild shit, but, like, delivering it so deadpan. And uh, it's it's good. It's really funny.
1: I, I neglected to mention it last week, but I think Kristen Bilioti is the best part of the fucking movie. Because she plays, like, I, I guess, like, closet the, KKK soccer mom?
0: The Karen, yeah. yeah.
1: And it's, like, so convincing. You're just like, holy shit, people actually believe this. What a fucking psycho! But her performance is so good. Yeah, uh, Lisa Kudrow
0: was also great.
1: I didn't say that. I didn't just say that five minutes ago. Show me where I said it. Roll it back. Roll back the tape. Well, <laughs> oh, it also makes sense because she's like a blonde, and typically, other than uh, Huckabee Sanders, uh, the blondes have basically been the the mouthpiece for the Trump administration. So, good casting yeah. there
0: well let's cut into a quick break and when we come back we will begin the Swillies everyone's favorite award show the only brought award show that the matters <laughs> so stick around the Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our patrons Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter.
1: Welcome back everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our first category for the Swillies this year. Uh, Best television series, and by television series I mean Netflix original series have already fucked us up. Who cares?
0: (laughs) There wasn't really a lot of returning series that we gave a shit about, I don't think.
1: I had I think I watched three overall. Is
0: is your list combining new originals and continuing originals, or
1: Yeah, I just slammed everything together and just went, eh, ah, fuck it, here's my list. Who cares?
0: Okay. Um see I left mine is only new Netflix originals. Like obviously BoJack Horseman. The yeah, last season is my best returning of the year, and the runner up is Castlevania.
1: Okay, that's exactly what
0: mine were. If anybody doesn't know that, like, fuck off. Because <laughs> yeah. like you've been listening to this show for how long? Unless you're a new listener, welcome. Um <laughs> fuck on.
1: Fuck on, yes. Yes. Jump on this bandwagon. But yes, Bojack Horseman is the best show on Netflix ever. At this point, uh, now that it's completed its run. uh, There's going to be no House of Cards Season 6 for it, where it completely ruins the entire show. I wouldn't say it ruins the entire show. I never got past the first episode, but I was very uh, infuriated by that. But BoJack Horseman is the best show that's ever been on Netflix. There will never be a question about that Uh, 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 previously. Going forward, who knows? Maybe someone will do something cool. Uh, but we'll find out. But as of now, just understand we don't have to talk about it because we talk about it for like an hour and a half on like our original episode uh, earlier this year or early in twenty twenty when we talk about BoJack Horseman part two. Uh, just w- listen to that. We we don't want to talk about it again. We don't want to keep giving awards to BoJack Horseman. So here it is. BoJack Horseman gets the uh forever in our hearts award and the the swilly for best netflix original series will be henceforth named the Bojack horseman of the year award <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah the the show's the show's finally over uh you don't have to uh keep hearing us give it trophies every year so
1: the horseman can't hurt you anymore uh but yeah castlevania season 3 uh that's also my top Outside of Bojack Horseman, because that show is awesome. Like, season two (laughs) took a step back, but season three was like, ah, fuck that, we got some cool stuff happening, we got a hell cult, we got some cool monsters.
0: Yeah, so with that out of the way, I guess uh, let's get into our actual lists. So I have a top five.
1: I also have a top five.
0: Okay. I will be a gentleman and let you take yours first.
1: I see how it is, ladies first. Uh, my number five is Tiger King.
0: It kind of defined our culture for, like, a whole month.
1: Yeah, this is a show that no one could stop talking about for a month. Like, this was something, if you went to work, because, like, this actually hit, like, peak pandemic. Like, this was, like, week one pandemic shit. It was, like, this and the platform, mm-hmm. like, the two things that hit when the plat- when the pandemic first started and everyone started quarantining. Uh, this This was there. So, like, you know, when you logged in on your computer at work, or if you went into work, this was the thing you talked about.
0: Yeah. Um, we we watched Tiger King like the rest of the world watched us this year.
1: Oh, the US. Yes, yes. I, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, our download numbers show... No, that is not true.
0: Oh, no. Not us, personally.
1: But yeah, like this is a cultural landmark. For 2020. Like, this is a thing that, you know, we needed an escapism from the fact that our lives are crumbling around us. So we needed to watch this redneck from the from middle America who, who, you know, abused tigers and killed tigers and made bad business decisions, uh, ruin his life in front of us for our entertainment.
0: I haven't heard about it in a couple weeks, but uh, I wonder how Joe Exotic's doing chasing that pardon.
1: Oh my god.
0: Wouldn't that be kind of amazing if that was, like, January 19th, Donald Trump pardons Joe Exotic, and also uh, a hundred Blackwater mercenaries who murdered children in the Middle East?
1: Sorry, I'm getting uh, Bubby kisses, and she smells like cigarettes. Ew, I know what Caroline does, my
0: clothes do. She tastes like cigarettes, Lieutenant Diane.
1: Bye. But yeah, Tiger King, my, my my number five television series, Netflix series. I don't know why I keep saying television. I guess because, like, Netflix is the only television I really watch any year. Like, any series I watch or yeah. only Netflix originals. Like, I literally just started The Boys with Ashley. Uh, Letter Kenny's still on the docket. But outside of, like, that, I don't watch series on anything else. So Netflix really is my television. All right.
0: Let's hear Caleb. Number five, go. Uh, My number five is the disaster porn that we needed for this year, Japan Sinks 2020.
1: That's an honorable mention for me.
0: I'm not, like, crazy crazy about this show, but like I said, it just kind of, it fit the year. Everything went to shit, and uh, it was nice to see... A show about some people's lives who were were uh, slightly worse than mine. <laughs>
1: Just slightly. Their home oh, only their home country sunk into the fucking ocean. That's that's how slightly <laughs> worse it was.
0: Yeah. Um And also her dad exploded, but at least she had a dad. It's true. Presumably she still has uh a couple pieces of him floating around somewhere. <clears throat>
1: Also, she lost a leg in the stupidest way possible, because it's like, hey, she, this this girl clearly has a cut on her leg that looks infected. Someone maybe possibly look at this? No? Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Just, I don't know, like, pee on it. It's sterile, and I like the taste. <laughs> Alright, uh, so that's it.
1: Alright, well, uh, my number four is going to piss off so many people. If you if you actually listen to what I say, uh my number 4 is The Queen's Gambit. A
0: bit low. But a bit, okay.
1: A bit low. I, I'm going to I'm going I will admit I'm probably "quote unquote wrong here because like this is a good show. And I admit it's a good show. It's like well produced, the production and the design is awesome. Anya Taylor-Joy is phenomenal. Uh, she's a bit hard to look at from from episode in episode two because like her hair is terrible, but that's the point. Like her her whole character growth is, hey, I never really had like things in life that you know I was very poor. I lived in an orphanage, and now that I'm out of that orphanage, you know I, I'm gonna lavish it up and look like a fucking hottie, which, okay. <laughs> uh, but like also like the little girl, she was great. Uh, I loved the, the janitor teaching her chess and also the janitor himself, like their relationship, despite the fact that they didn't speak very many words, like the, the facial acting between them two, the the two of them were, I almost said them two, uh, the two of them was pretty great, but like, I don't know. There was, there, there was something that just didn't connect with me altogether, but I still overall recommend The Queen's Gambit. It's like a, a wonderful show that has like a lot of chess motifs in uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's wardrobe. A lot of black and white, a lot of checkerboard. So with that, I guess I, like I, I recommend it. But like, for whatever reason, it just didn't hit as hard with me as it seemingly hit everybody else.
0: That's fine. Uh, there's no accounting for taste, so <laughs> that's
1: true. All right, what about you? What is your number four? Uh,
0: my number four shows you just what a weak year it was in terms of content, because it's Space Force, a show that I didn't even really like that much.
1: Oh my. That's, uh, that's alarming.
0: (laughs) Um, so yeah, my, my five and four are just ones that I, it's kinda, I'm okay with, I guess, I don't know. Sure. Sure. Not a great year altogether. I don't know. I guess I could have put Tiger King in here, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that show just kind of frustrated me a bit because it reminded me too much of uh, my actual life. So I am gay. Uh, I've had lot. I've had a lot of kinky sex. I'll
1: never forget my first exposure. I have to- done drugs. Joe Exotic being on the John Oliver show, being like, "Man, I want to see more about this guy," and then four years later, I got more about that guy.
0: Here he is. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, Space Force. I was like real lukewarm on. Uh, the best thing about it, obviously, is John Malkovich. That is correct. Um, so watch it for him, and I guess because. Uh, to
1: to own the MAGA cult. Yeah, what are they going to do now? It's like, Trump's out of office. The, all the jokes were centered around Trump, basically. What are they going to do for jokes? Yeah. I don't know.
0: <sighs> I don't know. It was a bad TV show about a stupid thing that some dipshit said. So
1: Yeah, that was... I, I don't know. Well... Didn't he say that, like, in 2016, and it took him until 2019 to actually create it?
0: I don't fucking care. Oh, the l- last The last four years just felt like a fucking time loop anyway. That's true. Nothing means anything.
1: Well, uh, my number three is uh, A Better Show, uh, because it was done by Mindy Kaling. And she actually had some inventive ideas, and, you know, even though it was a teen comedy kind of thing... Uh, I still enjoyed it. It's called Never Have I Ever. You want to know what?
0: I fucking forgot about Never Have I Ever. That's my number four. There we go. <laughs> Fuck Look, Space Force. I actually legitimately enjoyed Never Have I Ever. Yeah,
1: I did too. Like, um... I don't know, it's a coming-of-age story, uh, although told from an Indian perspective, uh, an Indian-American perspective. So, like... uh. A lot of it is like, hey, we got to find like you see like her going through high school and like her trying to navigate high school and that kind of stuff's like, you know, stock standard. But then like you throw on the fact that like her cousin lives there uh, in the same house as her and they're basically like forcing her to get uh, an arranged marriage with some guy who's also Indian. Like that just seems to be like the way they exist is like
0: they're they're children of two cultures, you know, like they're. They're American through and through, but they're trying to honor their traditional culture mm-hmm. as well. So,
1: so like that was interesting. But then you know the the whole the whole story about like hey, hey here's here here's how everything works, and like here here's how tr- kids treat her, like like, like her, uh, her 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 like I think like Japanese friend. I don't I don't know what Asian nationality she actually is, but like her mom like shows up for one episode and like oh that's nice her mom finally came back and then she leaves at the end of the episode like well fuck that's heart wrenching and then her other friend who's who's gay but can't kind of like can't come out to her family so like there's a lot of a lot of good stuff with the show that I really liked I really enjoyed I haven't revisited it but I can't wait for season two. All right. Uh,
0: my number three is The Liberator.
1: Okay. Yeah, this is on my Out Yeah.
0: So, I, um, I just liked it a lot. It, uh, it had a, a gritty realism that I appreciate in a war film, uh, which is ironic considering that it's animated.
1: Right. And I think that's the big thing that threw me, is the fact that, like, it's animated and, like, it's, like, just just shoot a series with dudes actually in front of the camera and you're not rotoscoping them. Yeah. Well, like they did that
0: so that they wouldn't have to green screen in like backgrounds <laughs> and shit of mm-hmm. Nazi war camps. Like I think this was the the correct way to do it, I guess. It's still perplexing, but yeah. Um I don't know. It was it was a real good show though.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that 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 final episode would have been very difficult to do if you're uh <laughs> if you're uh, uh, real
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Uh so this is the pivot point on my list where I go from uh things that I I kinda didn't care for to this that I think was pretty good, and then the number one and number two are things that I very much recommend. So
1: Alright, well, my number two is also something I, I greatly recommend. It is Criminal UK Season 2. Uh, so, Criminal basically takes place in, like, one location. It's like this interview room where you're trying to, like, you have police detectives trying to figure out, like, what's going on? Like, what happened in a, in a certain situation? And uh, this kind of expanded on the first season, which, like, had some interesting ideas. But in this season, you had you know, Kit Harrington being accused of rape. Uh, a woman who seemingly, you know, was like a, a vigilante of sorts. And then finally bringing in a serial killer who knew some information regarding another serial killer. Very captivating. All performance-based. Like, there's there's nothing going on outside of these performances. And it is all really great stuff. I can't recommend Criminal UK enough. I don't know if Criminal Germany, Criminal Spain, or Criminal France are ever coming back, but if Criminal UK can keep it up, I'm all for it. All right. Let's hear it. What's your number two? Uh,
0: my number two is The Midnight Gospel.
1: Interesting. Um,
0: so this was uh, an animated show that came out on 420, uh, which was created by Pendleton Ward, who created Adventure Time. Mm-hmm and the comedian Duncan Trussell, Uh, and they used audio from the Duncan Trussell Family Hour podcast, Uh, and it serializes the adventures of Clancy, a uh, space caster who lives in sort of like a a weird dimension of space, and uh, he has an unlicensed multiverse simulator that he uses to travel around and... um, Like speak to crazy aliens and shit and kinda it's this this show's a fucking trip. I it's it's one of those things you're gonna love or hate. Mm -hmm. But um I I really appreciated the artistry of it and the like I feel like some of the a lot of the stuff has like emotional or philosophical value to it that like um it has the potential to enrich people's lives. I feel, um, especially like there's one episode which, uh, like, because the the audio for the most part comes from uh, Duncan Trussell's podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was him talking to his mother as she was basically in hospice, and uh, just them talking about like death and, like, making peace with your life and stuff. And that, that episode was fucking incredible. Um, So I like this show a lot. I, I hope they continue it.
1: I think I gave this, like, two episodes. And then I was like, nah, I just don't like what Duncan Trussell's doing. So I, yeah, I, I just wasn't I into I didn't
0: it. think that you would like it. But I'm glad you gave it a shot.
1: I mean, Ashley even smoked the fucking bowl before then, and was like, nah, this is... T-. Well, I-, I also think she was just having a bad experience, but, like, it was too trippy for her, so she was like, nah, never again, so...
0: Yeah. Um... <laughs> I I do think that, like, a nice mellow indica is the way to go. Um, I wouldn't recommend like, if you did, like, shrooms or acid or something and watched this, you probably would die. So, uh, buyer beware.
1: (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, I did not mean bowl, I mean she did dabs before this. Because that's the only way she smokes weed every day. Did she dab on him? Uh, no, she did not. Actually, every time she does dabs and I walk in, I do a dab, and she (laughs) angrily looks at me.
0: (laughs) Uh... I'd hate to see what she does when she's uh, getting ready for bed and flosses.
1: Oh no, I've actually been the one flossing recently. Why, I don't know. I guess because I've been playing Fortnite. I, I don't know. Corey and I have been playing Fortnite recently, and we're like... It's actually like therapeutic, because we're decent enough at it, but we're not good enough at it that we get angry at it when we lose. Yeah. If that makes sense.
0: I, uh... I taught myself how to do the floss dance so that I could fuck with my wife, and then one day I realized that I was doing it right, and we were both really disappointed.
1: Yeah, she was like, I can't believe we spent all that money on a wedding. <laughs>
0: Alright, um, so we're on to number ones. Dan, yeah. what was your favorite... Netflix series this year.
1: So I'm going to be honest, I didn't change my list from the original setting. It's, it's, it's Castlevania season three. Like that show. Oh, okay. Show's awesome. Show's awesome. Uh, I know that season two drags down a little bit. Uh, I do like parts of, uh, I do like a lot of like season two, but like they introduce so many characters. It's like, why should I give a fuck about any of these people? But then season three brings it back, you know, expands on the characters. I mean, like Isaac turned into one of my favorite characters. On the show, whenever season three hit, like you you see like kind kind of his mentality on on how he treats people and treats life. I I I, I found Isaac just purely captivating, you know. Uh, Hector, uh, total piece of human garbage, but whatever. And then you know the the additions of Bill Nye and uh, Jason Isaacs characters, pretty great for the Trevor Syphes story. Yeah. And what about you? What is your Neuro Uno?
0: Uh well obviously it's the Queen's Gambit. Um oh, yeah, you've heard you've heard me gush about this show on and on and on and on and uh it's perfect and I love it and it's great and I I love Anya Taylor-Joy. She's become one of my uh favorite actors that I will be paying attention to their career. Pretty much solely based on this. So
1: are you telling me you didn't like the Vavitch? Uh
0: I did. Yeah. She also uh, had a part in Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance, she, she, which she is the, relevant to
1: us—the fairy that went dark or something like that.
0: I yes, that is correct.
1: Yeah, not fairy. Uh, which the makes Gelfling. sense
0: because she kind of looks like a Gelfling.
1: Yeah, she kind of looks a little unfortunate. Like, she's, um. In a hot way, though.
0: Yeah, it's, uh. Like, I'm not gonna. I don't like to dunk on people's appearance or, like, judge them. Oh, dude, based I, I'm on...
1: a horrifying troll. Are you kidding me? Get out of here. <laughs> but, uh, I don't
0: know. She's, like, non. Like, atypically attractive, I guess I'll say. Like, she's a fucking knockout, but she's not, like, you know she doesn't look like a model or whatever right and that's it um i don't know go back it wasn't that long ago go back no. and listen to our review of this if you care to um and you can hear me gush about it there cuz i did at great length
1: uh and any honorable mentions that you possibly could have for this for this segment where you said i don't recommend anything
0: see i really really wanted to put Parasite the Maxim on my list but that wasn't a Netflix original it was on Toonami like four years ago yeah. and Netflix just picked up the distribution rights to it this year so I was sad that I couldn't but Parasite the Maxim is amazing and would probably be at the number two spot on my list.
1: I think like I said after I watched a few episodes I I still have to get back to it because I stopped watching it for some reason I don't know why but it reminded me a lot of Spider-Man In, in, like, the way Shinichi's character developed out throughout the rest of the the show. Like, once he realized what he had to become, he stopped being that reluctant hero and then actually started, you know, accepting with great power comes great responsibility.
0: Yeah, and um, I don't want to give any spoilers or anything, but, like, there is uh, an event that happens during the course of the show that, like vastly increases his repertoire of super abilities um and that's that's like where the show really turns into like something different it's not like i don't know like it has uh basically two acts it's like the introduction to this crazy world and like the the hero is hesitant and doesn't want to deal with all this stuff and then you get to like that pivot point where uh, he realizes the stakes and decides to take up the mantle of a hero and starts kicking ass, and it becomes really, really good.
1: Uh, as for me, they're both on your on mentions list uh, Japan Sinks 2020 and The Liberator. All right, cool. Well,
0: we'll cut into another quick break, and when we come back, we will finish up the Swillies with our best Netflix original films of the year. <laughs>
1: If those clips made you wish for the good old days of TV, I've got great news. Rabbit Ears TV Podcast is back. Each episode, we look back on a beloved series, ranging from the good old days of television to more modern classics. With the help of a superfan guest host, we will review, discuss, and reminisce about some of the most culturally impactful shows ever to air on TV. You can follow the show on Twitter at Podcast. Join the Couch Potato group on Facebook and check out our episode archives at NetflixInswill.com/slash rabbit ears. Look for new episodes the third Friday of each month. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming already in progress. We hold you in our hearts, and when we think about you, it makes me wanna part. <laughs> it's I hope we never part. Now get it right or pay the price.
0: Welcome back, Dan. It's time to get into our top movies that were on Netflix in the year of 2020. Uh, This is where the real awards start, because these are the ones that I gave a shit about.
1: Correct. So speaking of which, why don't you start? What is your number five movie of the year for Netflix original movies?
0: Uh, My number five of the year was... uh, it's just kind of a, a cute one, and it's my favorite children's movie that came out this year. It's Over the Moon. Okay. I don't know. I really like the uh, the animation style. The, the music was pretty decent in it, and uh, I don't know. I like that it's uh, a story from a different culture that was made by and featuring people from that culture. That's fair. All right. Uh, What is your number five?
1: All right. Well, speaking of uh, made by and created by and starring people of a different culture, number five is Tiger Tail.
0: Hey, that's my number four. Hey,
1: there we go. Yeah. uh, Alan Yang, Tai Ma. Uh, The story about like how a a Taiwanese immigrant comes to America and really doesn't know how to share his feelings because like that wasn't the culture when he was growing up is to to share his innermost thoughts and how he struggles to connect with his daughter because he doesn't know how to connect with her because he was never taught how to. Uh and kinda like him revisiting his life as he gets older and I don't know. It's not spectacular. Like I think everything at a baseline is good. And that's kind of why it keeps it like that kind of good level, like nothing exceeds what it could be. But I like a lot about it, and I just watched it again right before we got on. And I don't know, man. Timea, like a lot of his facial acting, especially like in the car ride at when he first returns home, or like like yeah, when he first returns home uh, from Taiwan, it was what his, his uh, daughter's in the car and she's trying to talk to him, and he's like. I want to say more, but I've been taught to say, you know, basically nothing. It it's it's really good stuff.
0: Uh, I agree. It's it was uh, one of the most emotionally uh, fulfilling movies of the year, I think. Uh, so right back to you then for your number four.
1: All right, you might yell at me, but uh, my number four is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom.
0: Honorable mention for me. Okay. I think uh I think I need a little bit more time to kind of stew on this one. I liked it a lot. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Thematic wise, like I I like the fact that you have the young black man trying to like like hey, I I got this. I totally know how to take advantage of the white man. No problems asked. And then you have the older black woman who's like, "No, no, no." I know how to take advantage of the of the white man and in, and in, in his dollar bills, like I can I can force them to do whatever because I need I need to be there to make them money. Like yeah, I can make money from them, but I don't make money because of them. And that kind of juxtaposition between the two characters, good stuff. I mean, Chadwick Boseman's final performance, fantastic. Uh, I would be shocked uh, if he wasn't at least nominated and possibly even won. The Academy Award for Best Performance for his his role here.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh,
1: he's he's so good.
0: <sighs> like, not even bringing up that it was his final on-screen performance. Like, he was just straight-up phenomenal in the film.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, because he, he just runs the whole gamut of emotions in this, you know. Cocky, brash, vulnerable. Uh, he's He's yeah. just all about it, man. He's so good in this movie. Like, if you need one performance to define Chadwick Boseman, it's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. All
0: right. Um, my number three is going to be The Trial of the Chicago 7. Okay. A film that was so good that it made me uh, begin to think of Sacha Baron Cohen as a serious actor. Uh-huh. Um. So this is a historical drama. About a group of anti-Vietnam War protesters. Um, Kind of the inverse, I guess, of what's going on now. Uh, Really strong ensemble cast. We got Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, we got Sacha Baron Cohen, uh, Daniel Flaherty, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Michael Keaton, Frank Langella, John Carroll Lynch, Eddie Redmayne, Um, others. Others, yep. Really good. I don't know the full story about like how this film was brought to screen, but like the like Aaron Sorkin originally wrote the screenplay mm-hmm. like during the the Writers Guild strike. So this has been like thirteen, fourteen years in oh my the God, making. Yeah. So it was meant to be a theatrical release by Paramount, but mm-hmm. uh, due to COVID, Netflix got it. So
1: I'm glad they did. Thanks, COVID. Uh, this, <laughs> this is going to get a low from me, because this is uh, a bit higher on my list. Uh, and speaking of which, I feel like this is going to get a low from you. Uh, it's the 5 Bloods. A Spike Lee That joint. is a bit low. Yeah. Uh, this is another one I rewatched today, because, like, it was, what, a May, June, July? Jale- June, June, July. June release?
0: June, July.
1: Like, it was relatively early in the year, and I, I think that this movie and Trial of the Chicago 7 are the movies, uh, like, this show that Netflix can be timely. Like, we had a lot of Black Lives Matter protests, unfortunately, during the summer portion of the year, and this is when this came out, and it, it kind of talked about how, like, the same things were th- that black people are still fighting for Representation rights, all you know, like the fact that you know black men get sent to war for rights that they don't have back home, uh, in order for to give mm-hmm. countries rights they don't have, don't have back home, and that, and like so it's like that pseudo documentary style the Spike Lee employs. I think he, I don't know what kind of I don't know what millimeter film it is, but like whenever they do the flashback scenes, I think it's like maybe 13 millimeter film. Yeah,
0: and it it switches it to a 4 by 3 aspect ratio, which right. is a really cool effect. Right. I like that the four, the 4 by 3 ratio is coming back for certain things. Like, I just think that that's really neat.
1: I think it helps establish, like, time period, because, like, there's a certain time period yeah. where that happens.
0: Yeah, like, it, it switched aspect ratios, and I was immediately like, oh, this is old times. Right. Like even even the camera techniques that they used were like old timey,
1: right? When whenever like specifically whenever they're in the helicopter, it's like a, a lot of close ups. Like it, it's mm-hmm. like kind of like how Mash would have been shot,
0: right? Yeah, like say what you will about Spike Lee. I know like certain people aren't like super into his style or whatever, but like he is a scholar of the craft.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, we talk about it. Then we're going to talk about it for the rest of our time. Delroy Lindo is phenomenal in that movie. Uh, there's, I'll be, I'll be very disappointed if he does not win or not, not not win. I don't expect him to win, but if he does not get nominated for best lead actor uh, at the Oscars, I will be pretty fucking yeah, mad.
0: Absolutely. Him. And that's the thing. He's like Delroy's had a long and storied career. Um on stage and screen, but, like, you know, this is a career-defining performance coming in, like, later life, and I really hope that he kind of catches on and Mm -hmm. has, like, his career kind of explodes after this.
1: Yeah. 100%.
0: This also gets the award for most timely movie ever. Yeah. Because this happened, like, this came out, like, the week that, like, the Black Lives Matter protests reached like their fever pitch this summer.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. Like I said, I I don't know exactly when it happened, but I knew it happened like in, if not during, like almost immediately after a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests like, I don't say wound down, but like scaled back. Yeah. Alright. So moving on, what is your when your number 3? Number 2? Yeah, uh, my number 2, yeah. Number 2. Uh,
0: my number 2 is the devil all the time. Okay. I'm fully on board the Tom Holland bandwagon now. Um him and Adam Driver are like my two main dudes in Hollywood right now, so. Uh very very excited to see the unfolding career of this Spider-Man. Um This is a psychological thriller uh, based on a novel of the same name by Donald Ray Pollock. And uh, I know that you weren't crazy about, Mm -hmm. you know, the use of narration in it. Um, For me, for what it's worth, like, I thought that the narration really, like, tied it together. It made it feel like this was a novel brought to life. Like, I feel like they really leaned into the source material for it, so... Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, we reviewed it not too long ago. I just I just liked it a lot. So
1: this was one that I did want to get back to. I just didn't find the time to do so. And I know a lot of other people enjoy this. I know that a lot of other people fucking hate this movie. I ultimately kind of it kind of came in like the middle of everybody. But I yeah, I did want to revisit this and be like, all right, let me actually dive into this. Try to get past the fact that there is way too much narration uh, for my taste in it and and try to, you know, determine how good it is on its own. Yeah. I don't
0: know, like, uh, this really was like the first like, leading man thing that I saw Tom Holland in that wasn't a Spider-Man. And like, there were also really good performances by Bill Skarsgård and Robert Pattinson, but like, delusions (laughs) this movie really did convince me that like Tom Holland's going to have a career after Marvel and that like he can he can carry a serious film on his own and he's actually like uh, a very good and very accomplished actor so
1: well tell that to everybody who Uh, doesn't like Cherry well fuck him Cause fuck them, that's why. Yeah,
0: I think I think uh, bigger things are coming for Tom Holland. So,
1: all right. Yeah, I'll I'll revisit it at some point because I feel like I didn't give it a fair enough shake.
0: Well, all right. Huh? Didn't realize Tom Holland was an onward.
1: Oh yeah, he's the brother.
0: Was he the the nerdy brother or like the unemployable? Oh no, the
1: older brother is Chris Pratt and the younger brother is Tom Holland.
0: Oh, so that movie is a Marvel reunion.
1: Yeah, that's how they're going to get their voice cast from now on, if they're going to recycle old Marvel actors.
0: Yeah. Onward was pretty good.
1: Well, speaking of pretty good, and uh, actually pretty great, uh, my number two (laughs) is something you talked about earlier, Death of 2020. Okay. I... I, it might be. It might have been part of like surprise factor. Like I, didn't, I never expected it to be as good as it was. I mean, like we watched the trailer and just went, "No, this is probably gonna not be for us." And I was like, "Ah, fuck it. It's seventy minutes. I got time." And I really enjoyed myself. It's, a, it's a dark comedy. It's not going to be for everybody. Like I said, I, I think it sits at a two point eight out of ten on letter or out of five on Letterbox, which is like crazy to me that it's so low, like, that's that seems really, really low to me, at yeah, 2.8 right now on Letterboxd, like I don't know, like, I, I, I like seeing 2020 deconstructed in such a comedic, even, albeit dark, manner, you know, uh, and constantly making fun of the old people, being like, America's grandpa, Joe Biden, yes, like, that's, that's funny to me, like, the, 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 the whole concept <laughs> is just yeah. funny overall. Yeah, like me.
0: Joe Biden attended the Queen Elizabeth's inaugur or uh coronation in nineteen fifty four when he was two hundred years old.
1: It's phenomenal stuff. Like, yeah, maybe maybe you consider it to like hit be hitting you over the head, but like sometimes I just like that kind of stupid little jab that you throw in there on people.
0: Yeah. It's It's very droll. Like the delivery is just like very dry and like they.
1: It's very matter of fact, the way they they talk about it.
0: It's punchlines, but they're trying to act like they aren't punchlines. Right. And like, I just, I just like that.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that's my number two. Death to 2020. Uh, And I think that leaves us at your, I actually, look. We don't do a countdown show, so I have no idea what fucking it, it fucking is. I'm waning it right now, and that yeah. happens.
0: It's it's my number one. It's it, fine. Yeah, I I went first this time, so um yeah. So my number one, and uh, no surprise, my favorite movie of the year by far is Spike Lee's *The Five Bloods*. This really just blew my hair back in a big way. Um, I fucking love Delroy Lindo. Like we were saying earlier, like I think that. Spike Lee is just, like, like he has so much, like, this movie just oozes style, Mm -hmm. and, like, you can tell that, uh, like, Spike Lee is so invested in the craft of filmmaking, so, um, yeah, I don't know, I I don't really have a lot to say about it, other than what we've said already, but um, it's very good, I will continue to evangelize for this, and recommend that uh, everybody watch it all the time, forever.
1: Everybody watch it all the time. That, that's my poor attempt at a joke for the devil all the time.
0: <laughs> the Five Bloods all the time. Yeah.
1: All right, well, my number one is something you mentioned earlier as well. Uh, it's The Trial of the Chicago 7, which... All
0: right, and I think that means that that wins as our best movie of the year.
1: Ray so no, it's kind of a tie between that and Defy Bloods, but regardless, like yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I don't think I was as moved by a, a movie on Netflix this year as this as this one because like you watch it and you're you're like actively rooting against Frank Langella, like Joseph Gordon Levitt portrays a very reluctant defense attorney who just is like I have to say <laughs> what I'm doing because otherwise I'll probably lose my job or not defense attorney prosecut- prosecuting attorney like you watch all the performances there's enough depth to everybody with the exception of Frank Langella who is basically just like you know uh, proud proud boy the judge
0: yeah it was impossible for me to not think of him as being Skeletor for the whole movie
1: I, I don't know. We we just watched like Frost Nixon, maybe uh, like the week before, and it's like, oh, we yeah. accidentally watched two Frank Langella movies in a row. I don't
0: like feeling good. I like to feel evil.
1: That final testimony from Sasha Baron Cohen, you know, you mentioned like you could finally take him serious as an actor. I could finally take him seriously as an actor. Like, that makes me want to go back and watch a show, like his series The Spy, uh, now. Because, like, I was like, oh, Sacha Baron Cohen as an actor? Really? We're going to try that experiment? Okay. And now that I've seen it happen, I want to go back and watch him try to be an actor in other things.
0: Yeah. I honestly wouldn't really be mad if Sacha Baron Cohen got an Oscar this year.
1: So, yeah, I mean, Trial of Chicago 7, like, I mentioned it before, timely. I, I don't remember what exactly was happening around that point, but I was like, wow, what a timely fucking movie this was. All right, uh, any honorable mentions for you? Uh, well,
0: like we mentioned earlier, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was great. Um, and then the only other one that I just kind of wanted to mention was uh, Extraction, just because it's it's not a fucking great movie. It's just a dumb, fun popcorn movie, and uh, I liked it from that aspect. Yeah. It's like your summer popcorn blockbuster. So it's enjoyable and you can just turn off your brain and it's fine.
1: And according to Netflix's uh, now bastardized viewing statistics, it's their most viewed movie ever.
0: Jesus. Okay.
1: I'm just, I'm just here reporting what they said. You know, <laughs> it's not my fault. You're
0: just standing in the light of their truth.
1: Yeah. Uh, as for me, on mentions... Uh, The only one we haven't mentioned is I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Uh, I know Ashley hates it. Uh, I watched it twice before we did our review, which was an hour fucking long. Uh, And then I watched it with what JD said in mind, and I went, oh, this movie makes way more sense now that you said all of these things. So, I don't know. Does it warrant three views in a year? Probably not. But... Does uh does it at least warrant a uh, a second viewing? Yes. I the the conversation behind that movie is fascinating. I think its big problem though is it's highly self-indulgent. Like I uh, I I feel like there's a lot of points where it could be cut down a bit and still drive home the same point, but I mean Charlie Kaufman is as Charlie Kaufman does, but uh I yeah. I enjoyed I that mean, movie.
0: I mean the the movie itself was fine, but it, like so much of the movie feels like Charlie Kaufman assigning you homework.
1: Yes. That's my that's my big negative of the movie, is that like, oh, now I have to research this thing, and then this thing, and then this thing, and what do these things mean? Like, I want the movie to be self-contained, I want to understand everything in and of itself, uh, and I feel yeah, like that's the big feeling of the I movie. I feel
0: like a good film stands on its own, independent of having to look shit up about it. Right. Like, I I feel like research after the fact should enhance a film if you're interested in doing it, but the film itself has to be functional and self-contained. Yeah. In, like, in isolation of that.
1: Yeah. Uh, but even without research, I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed, you know, the, the conversation I had in my head thinking about the movie. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, that is... It, Caleb. We we did it. We finally finished everything of twenty twenty. Twenty twenty is now dead. Twenty twenty one is now just twenty twenty with bangs, and we can move on with our lives.
0: I can't wait. I don't know that Joe Biden guy seems all right. I guess. Mm. I I will say the Obama years were very good to me. So let's have some more of that, please.
1: I was in college, so I I don't know how good they were to me or what.
0: (laughs) I was in college and then beginning a career.
1: All Alright, Caleb, what are we doing next week on the show?
0: Next week, finally, it's time to talk about Cobra Kai Season 3.
1: I should add on that we are getting a very special guest that you loosely extended an invitation to. Uh, Julio of the Contrarians is going to join us next week to talk about Season 3. And uh, I guess also next week, because he's the only one that's done so, uh, we're going to do a patron request review for Enter the Dragon, the Bruce Lee movie from Chris Yeenie. Hooray! He suggested something I'm else. so excited. But then I was like, but you suggested a Bruce Lee movie, so obviously we're doing a Bruce Lee movie.
0: I mean, I am positive that I've talked about Enter the Dragon on the show before. In fact, actually, I I know I have, but uh, I'm very excited to do so again because I like that movie.
1: It's not the one with Chuck Norris, is it?
0: Unless I'm thinking of the wrong one. What was the other one? Way of the Dragon.
1: Maybe Th- yeah, that's that's, one that's Way of the Dragon. I just looked it up. It's Way of the Dragon. Yeah.
0: Okay. Huh. So no, I've never seen Enter the Dragon. I am uh, a big fat phony.
1: Hi, this guy's a phony. A GREAT BIG FOTY!
0: Boy, fuck Bruce Lee for having two movies that are called something of the dragon.
1: <laughs> oh, a fucking pile of shit.
0: I don't know. We, <laughs> we should also make Julio watch and review Surviving Edged Weapons.
1: It's kind of true. I don't know. I, I give him Patreon money. Can we, can we money. do that?
0: Do we have that power? I
1: have that power. I give him Patreon money to make him watch like a thing every month or so, like every six months or so. But I don't know if Surviving Edge Weapons is Rotten Tomatoes reviewed. Let me let me take a. No,
0: take I one. mean I mean for our show. Oh, that we should do it next week along with the other things. I,
1: don't know. I think Julio would throw up. I don't think Julio knows what he's. <laughs> I. He doesn't know what he's. <laughs> he's he's getting into. Yeah. Alright, I'm looking it up on Rotten Tomatoes. Surviving Edge Weapons is not even on Rotten Tomatoes. So, I mean. <laughs> fucking yikes. Uh,
0: it's because it's a fucking training video for police on how to not <laughs> die from being
1: attacked by a fucking edged weapon. Uh, a man having a fucking gas cap knife. <laughs> like, what the fuck?
0: Uh, shit. Oh, yeah, he pulls it out of his motorcycle gas tank or whatever.
1: Yeah. No, 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 it's it's attached to his gas, gas cap, so he, like, takes off his gas cap and then stabs yeah. the, the cop with it.
0: Yeah.
1: <sighs> <laughs> Man. What a fucking thing.
0: If I was dying and I got to, like, do a make-a-wish thing, I would wish to watch Surviving Edged Weapons with Rich Evans. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) A fucking tear came out of my eye, and it became a bald eagle, and it flew away.
1: All right, well, speaking of Surviving Edged Weapons, you have survived an episode of Netflix and Swill, so uh, if you could follow us on social media at Netflix and Swill everywhere... And check out our website, netflixandswill.com where it's our one-stop shop to find all things Netflix and Swill. Good for you. I can't believe you made it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Thank you to Space Weather for the use for a theme song, Bitter. Try not to feel that way. It's
1: 2021. Why you have to be mad?
0: And until next week, this is Caleb saying, things are going to get better.